0: This is the Hoove It or Lose It podcast, hosted by Pastor Andy Hoover. Well, this morning we are finishing up a uh, five part teaching series uh, that we've been working through entitled House. Uh, And over the last uh, couple of weeks, the last four weeks, Uh, We've at least attempted to kind of work our way through some of the uh, pertinent struggles as we're building our proverbial house here, some of our pertinent struggles that we as believers uh, deal with, uh, and those seeking a more intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. We talked about the need uh, in week one to find a good site on which to build our spiritual house, a a church community that will come around us uh, to uh, spur us on as we seek a more intimate relationship uh, with Jesus. Uh, We talked about the importance of gathering around the kitchen table, if you remember, and the importance of God's word and uh, the danger of the spiritual junk food that we foolishly try to substitute for the truth of God's Word. In week three, we entered the living room and talked about the importance of creating a lifestyle of outreach and evangelism and understanding that God has strategically placed each one of us in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces and in our schools to reach those who need the gospel and understand the forgiveness of Jesus. And then last week, we spent some time talking about the omniscience of God, the fact that God knows all, the fact that God sees all, and perhaps most importantly and more often than not forgotten, the people around us are watching us. They're looking at us for what it means to experience a relationship with Jesus, and our lifestyle is a powerful witness for those that need to experience the forgiveness of Jesus. Well, this morning, as we put the finishing touches on our proverbial house, uh, I'd like to spend some time today in the attic of our house. Now, my house has an attic, uh, but my house doesn't have one of those cool walk-up attics. Uh, I've got the little square access panel uh, that's in the hallway that is kind of designed not really for storage, at all. You can kind of squeeze up through it just a little bit. Uh, but I've always wanted to be honest with you. One of those really cool, uh, you know, walk up attics where you pull the string and the stairs unfold and you can wa- the Christmas vacation. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Where he like undoes it and hits him in the face. Uh, I've always wanted one of those really cool. How many, does anybody have one of those? You have one of those cool pull down? Uh, anybody else have this? Just how many of you have just the square hole? And you've never been up there and you're, you're afraid to go up there. Yeah, that's me. When I think of an attic, I think of things that fall into a few different categories that I want to mention this morning. The first thing that comes to mind are things that we put in the attic that we're, we're just not ready to get rid of. You know, we're just not ready to get rid of them. These are perhaps things that we don't use regularly or maybe ever but they've got some sentimental value you know what I'm saying they've got some sentimental value there's some connection there and you think you know I don't want to get rid of it so I'm just gonna put it in the attic I want it but I don't want it in my way right you know what I'm saying so we put it in the attic so we're not tripping over the second category of things that we might find in the attic would be things that we want to hide I uh, referenced the Christmas vacation, Clark climbed into the attic to do what? To hide a Christmas gift from his wife. We hide things in the attic that we don't want other people to know about, so we've got gifts for our spouse or gifts for our kids or our grandkids or whatever, and so we hide them up in the attic so that no one knows. So category one are things that, we, that we're just not ready to get rid of, so we stick them in the attic, and category two would be things that we're looking to hide, the last category that comes to mind are things that we, we don't quite know what to do with. You see what I'm saying? Um, these are things that we're, we're undecided on. These are things that we're really not sure how to handle. We're not sure how to progress. We, we, we don't think we should throw it away. It feels wrong to throw it away, but we don't really want it and we're not really sure. So we kind of look at it for a few minutes. I've been there a lot and, and I kind of stare at it. And my wife and I look at each other. And we go, just put it in storage. You know, like I, I don't know how to progress. I'm not sure how to feel about this thing. I, I definitely don't want to get rid of it, but I, but I don't really know how to, how to process it and how to deal with it. So in essence, what I'm doing, and, and, and just uh, I think you'll agree with me, we're in essence making a decision to just kick the can down the road, right? We're making a decision to just kick the can down the road. I'm not sure how to progress or what to do, so I'm just going to stick it in the attic. I'm going to cover it with a sheet. I'm going to walk away, and I'm going to move on. With my life, church, listen, it's in this final category that I want to spend some time this morning because here's what I want to suggest to you today that often we put stuff in the attic of our lives that God is not yet finished with. With our limited vision, we can't see, we can't understand how God could use something from our past. And so we stick it in the attic of our lives and we cover it up and we walk away. We can't see with our limited vision how God could use our heritage So we're not sure what to do. So we stick it in the attic and we cover it up and we walk away with our limited vision church. We can't see how God could use our storied past. He can't use our mistakes, our screw ups, our mess ups. And so we're not sure how to process those. So we stick them in the attic of our lives. We cover them with a sheet and we walk away. We can't understand how God could use my gifts and passions. I mean, I'm really passionate, but I'm passionate about weird stuff that I don't really think can be used for the kingdom of God. So I'm not sure what to do. So I'm going to stick it in the attic. I'm going to cover it and I'm gonna walk away. And here's this, we stick our inadequacies in the attic. We're not sure how God could possibly use my inadequacies so I'm not really sure how to process those, I'm not really sure what to do with them so I'm gonna stick them in the attic and I'm gonna walk away. So we place all of these things in the attic of our lives, we cover them up and here's what's really happening. In reality, we're boxing up our belief and our faith in the love and the forgiveness of God. In reality, we're boxing up our belief in the sovereignty of God. In reality, we're boxing up our belief in the power of God to use us in some sort of meaningful way and what happens slowly but surely is that these boxes begin to collect dust and they grow stale and they grow unused and we, they begin to fade from our memory. The Bible gives us some great examples this morning, I want to highlight just a few. Father God, I thank you for this day. And God, I thank you for the opportunity we have to gather here in your house, God, to look into your word, to process it together. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would reign supreme this morning. God, that you would be glorified. God, that you would have your will and your way in our midst. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open to the book of Judges, uh, chapter 6. It'll be on the screen if you have it on your device. I encourage you to follow along with me on your Bible or in your device. And Judges chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, it says this, "...then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hands of Midian seven years." The power of Midian prevailed against Israel because of Midian, the sons of Israel made for themselves the dens which were in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. In other words, the people of Israel were in hiding. The Midianites were coming along and they were destroying anything and everything that was in their way. And so everyone, all of the Israelites, were living in fear. They had managed, the scripture says, to tuck themselves away into the cliffs and the dens and the mountains and and the cracks and crevices of the region just so that they could hide. They were hiding away from the midianites. And so as you continue to read this passage, this passage begins to zoom in specifically away from all of the Israelites. It zooms into one particular Israelite by the name of Gideon who the scripture says was beating out wheat in a wine press. This is what it says in Judges chapter 6 verse 11. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, as the son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites. Now in a normal scenario, I've never beat out wheat, but I've done some research and I understand that in a normal scenario, this isn't a process that's done in secret, Beating out wheat was something that you would do out in the field. It was kind of out in the open. Uh, Processing wheat wasn't designed to be secretive. But because of Israel's fear, and specifically Gideon's fear, he instead chooses to process the wheat in a wine press. Now, a wine press was, in essence, uh, a circular hole in the ground. Uh, For our context this morning, um, out in the open and wine press would be opposites. Okay, uh, a wine press would have been down in the ground. It was the uh, opposite of out in the open. It would have provided at least some level of shelter and some level of 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 uh, secrecy that would be hidden from view. So here's Gideon. He's in a wine press, something that was normally done outside. He brought inside, in essence, so that he could hide and so that he could be protected. Gideon was hiding. He was living in fear. He was avoiding, as an Israelite, all potential interaction with any Midianite that would come across his path his main goal was to stay off the radar and it's in the midst of this it's almost comical it's in the midst of this that an angel of the Lord appears to Gideon he visits him and says in Judges chapter 6 verse 12 the Lord is with you O valiant warrior Now it doesn't take an amazing level of observation or biblical scholarship to take a crack at what happened next. In essence, Gideon looks at the angel of the Lord and offers a I'll pass. He offers a no thanks. See, Gideon wasn't interested. Gideon wants nothing to do with this whole thing of this angel looking at him and telling him, oh mighty valiant warrior. Gideon's looking around and he's saying, hey, uh, the Lord is with me. I don't see it. I don't know, angel. Angel, can I just bring something to your attention real fast? I don't know if you noticed, but I'm beating out wheat in a wine press down in a hole so that no one can find me. And you're here telling me that God is with me? I don't see that. He goes on in Judges chapter six, verse 13. He says, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all of this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers have told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Listen, church, Gideon wasn't seeing any evidence of the Lord's presence with him nor his people. You see, sometimes we allow those hard moments of life, right, church, we allow those difficult moments when it feels like God is distant, we allow those moments to convince us that we are truly alone. We used to have faith that God was with us, but lately, we're not so sure, so we box up our faith and we put it in the attic, we cover it with a sheet, and we walk away because it feels wrong to completely throw our faith away but I'm not gonna put myself in a position to use it regularly, I'm not really sure how I feel because it feels lately that there's been some times that God isn't with me, so I'm not gonna throw my faith away but I'm gonna box it up, I'm gonna put it in the attic, I'm gonna cover it with a sheet and I'm gonna move on with my life. See, even if Gideon could be convinced that God was with him, even if Gideon could be convinced that God was with the Israelites, That he was somehow back on the scene. The idea that Gideon himself could be used as a part of that solution was ridiculous. I mean, Gideon certainly couldn't see that. I I can't see how God is with me to begin with, but now you're telling me that you want me to be a part of it? I don't think so. This is what he says in Judges chapter 6, verse 15. He says, Oh Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I'm the youngest in my father's house. In other words, God can't use me. God can't work through me. If God wants to deliver Israel, he's going to have to look elsewhere because, listen, angel, I'm from the wrong part of town. That's not my family. I'm not that guy. How many of you know that sometimes God sees in us what we're unable to see in ourselves? Let me say that again. How many of you realize that sometimes, listen, some of you need this reminder this morning, but others of you need to hear this for the very first time and snap back to reality. And the reality is this, is that sometimes God sees in you what you are incapable of seeing in yourself. see, we develop this image of ourselves sometimes that's so, it's so unhealthy This image we see of ourselves has become sourced in what we allow those around us to project on us. That's the image we begin to see of ourselves. Not what God sees, but we allow the image uh, of what those around us tell us should be happening. We allow that image to be projected on us, and we start to live in that. We start to walk in that. All day, every day, we're fed these images, we're fed these messages that tell us what we're supposed to be like if you're free, if, if you're if you're of this ethnicity then you're supposed to be like this if you're from this part of town then you're supposed to be like this if you had this particular upbringing then you should be like this if you've had this level of education then you should be like this if you grew up in church you should be here if you haven't grown up in church you should be here if you used to grow up in church and then you went out and worked on your testimony and then you came back to the Lord you should be over here in this area Do you understand what I'm saying? We've been fed all of these messages and all of these images of what we're supposed to be into, what we're supposed to care about, how we're supposed to think, what we're supposed to look like, what we're supposed to be good at. And we subject ourselves to all of these messages at a constant and at an overwhelming rate, and then we wonder why it's so difficult to believe what God says we're truly capable of accomplishing. Gideon had become convinced, church, that because he was an Israelite, he should be doing what all of the other Israelites were doing. What were all the other Israelites doing? According to verse two that we read a few moments ago, they were tucked away in the cracks and crevices in the cliffs and the caves and the mountains, and they were in hiding. They were in their strongholds. See, Gideon was taking his cues from the culture around him. He had bought into the idea that if everyone else was in hiding, well, then I should be in hiding as well. But God shows up on the scene and says, no, 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 no. I don't see you as everyone else sees you. He looked at Gideon through the angel of the Lord, and he says, hello, mighty and valiant warrior. See, this new view of himself was... So difficult for Gideon to see. And as you read through this account, you discover that not only did Gideon have very little faith in himself, he had boxed up whatever remaining faith he had in himself and he put it in a box, he stuck it in the attic and he covered it with a sheet. He had very little faith in himself and he also had very little faith in God. He took whatever faith he had in God, he boxed it up, he covered it with a sheet, and he walked away. But Gideon's just one example. Think for a moment about Moses. Moses murders an Egyptian, the scripture says, and then he flees to the desert. In his mind, Moses had placed himself as far away from the activity of God as he possibly could. The scripture says that he found himself on the far side of the desert, as if God was unable to make the journey. He placed himself on the far side of the desert as if God was like, man, I've lost sight of Moses. Now what? But God shows up, and he recruits Moses for an assignment. The summary of the account is that God shows up, and he invites Moses to accept this assignment of the role of deliverer. And almost immediately, almost immediately, Moses starts to unfurl the excuses. He says in chapter 3 of Exodus, chapter 3, verse 11, But Moses said to God, Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. Listen, because of his feelings of unworthiness, he had boxed up the idea that God could possibly use him. He boxed it up, he covered it with a sheet, he put it in the attic of his life, and he walked away, and he fled to the far side of the desert. He goes on in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, what if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, the Lord has not appeared to you. See, his own disbelief at what God was asking him and leading him to do caused him to fear the outcome. He had boxed up his belief in the promises and the provision of God. He boxed it up. He put it in the attic, and he covered it with a sheet, and he walked away. It goes on in chapter 4, verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in time past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. He says, I'm not even eloquent right now. For I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Moses doubted his own ability. He questioned his gifting for an assignment of such magnitude. Moses had boxed up and forgotten about the fact that God doesn't always call the equipped, but he always equips the called. He had boxed that up, covered it with a sheet, and walked away in chapter 4, verse 13. He says, please, Lord, now send the message by whoever you will. In other words, please send someone else. Moses had boxed up his faith. He had boxed up his belief in the idea that God would not just call him, but God would walk with him and God would journey with him and God would equip him and God him would sustain him and God would be with him through thick and thin. He had boxed up and forgotten about that thing. He had covered it with a sheet. He put it in the attic. And he walked away. See, I don't have to tell you, church, that these are not struggles that are unique. They're not unique to Gideon. They're not unique to Moses. These are my struggles. These are your struggles. We've lost faith that God has the ability to save us. So we boxed up our belief that God is for us. We've lost faith in God's ability to use us. God, you can't use me. God, you don't understand my history. God, you don't understand my past. You don't understand, God, how many times I've committed to allow you to use me and how many times I've uncommitted from that and walked away. God, you don't understand. We've lost faith. And God's ability to use us, we've boxed up, listen church, we've boxed up how God sees us in exchange for how the world sees us. We've lost our belief in the provision and the promises of God. We've boxed up the truth of God's word for the perceived reality of the world's truth. A world that does, does not buy in to the idea that God cares anything about us. In each of these examples of Moses and Gideon, I think we see some level of confusion on both of their parts. And I wanna suggest to you this morning that we also perhaps have the same level of confusion. It's the difference between believing in God and believing God. The scripture says in the book of James that even the demons believe in God. But friends, you and I are called to something more than just a belief in the existence of God. We're called to more than just yes, I know God is out there somewhere. We're called to believe God in the truth that he offers to us through his word. We're called to take God at his word, to take God at his promises. If God has called you out of your comfort zone, believe that he will be with you. If God has called you to greater faith, believe that he will walk with you. If God has called you to use the gifts that he has blessed You with, believe that He will continue to develop those within you. Friends, that God is calling us this morning to the attic. Not to bring up some new items, not to box up some new things, not to cover anything with a sheet, but church, I believe that God is calling us this morning. I believe that God is calling each of us this morning to come up to the attic. And to pull off the sheets. And to open some boxes. To open some boxes and see what we've put away. That God's not yet finished with. He's calling us this morning to pull off the sheet, to blow off the dust. And listen church, he's calling us to unpack the truth of who he is. And who he says we are. Thanks for listening to the Hoove It or Lose It podcast. For more information or resources, visit www.dot.hooveitorloseit.dot.com or on Facebook at Hoove It or Lose It.